Hello, hello, hello. This is data-driven Formula One with Patrick Hansen, Gana Pagrebna. Hello, Gana. Hello, everybody. Hi. And today, we, hi, and today we're speaking about Allez Les Bleus, meaning we're speaking about the French teams, which traditionally start in blue. As we analyzed in our episode about uh, the different colors, right in the beginning, uh, the colors had been based on the country and we had uh, the red for Italy, the white silver for Germany and the blue for the French teams. And as we see uh, today, uh, this blue uh, we still see uh, in the years uh, to follow up to uh, today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there will be a lot of blue in this episode. Exactly. Uh, uh, so, and um, I just wanted to, to show you this. So this is from, uh, like, it's very, very hot from, from the paper I'm working on yeah. at the moment. And uh, in this paper, basically, so uh, we've mapped all the locations of suppliers in Formula One in different parts of the world but the point is as you can see there is a big concentration in europe mm -hmm. and uh, so like yeah basically uk and italy are obviously hot spots but there are many in france as well and uh, today we will be talking about france because we've talked about italy in a special yeah. in one special and um, i think we want to highlight probably countries uh, that are not uk <laughs> first because that's kind of where we will have a lot of companies so probably we'll, we will need more than one episode there mm -hmm. but uh, today yeah so today we want to concentrate on uh, the french teams and the french businesses that were represented in formula one exactly and uh, not only uh, about uh, the teams and the sponsors but i'll say car racing in general somehow started uh, here in uh, Paris, so a, a nice uh, view over the city. If you not uh, had the opportunity uh, to visit uh, Paris as a city, of course, uh, highly recommended. Yeah, you haven't lived really. Your life will start after you visited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, so here I put a little bit uh, about uh, how uh, car racing started in general. Uh, we're going back uh, to the year 1894, where the Paris Rune Race was the brainchild of the uh, Le Petit Journal, which was a quite well-known uh, journal at the time in uh, France. It uh, existed from 1863 until 1944. It was a Parisian daily newspaper that had a reputation for staging contests to help boost its sales. So it had various competition and one of them was to organize a race. Uh, nevertheless, we don't have to imagine this race as today as the fastest uh, is the winner, but rather than speed, the cars would be judged on whether they were easy to operate for the competitors without any dangerous and not too expensive uh, to run. We had uh, 21 uh, competitors inside the race and uh, 17 uh, really uh, completed the 79 mile uh, journey. Uh, as a result, uh, the journal decided to split the first prize between uh, the Peugeot and the Panat and Levasaka. And this was practically the first uh, race in uh, history and uh, somehow a sign uh, about uh, its French origins we still find uh, today in Formula One 
because the all races are called the Grand Prix, which of course is the French uh, word for a great prize. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, as as many things, uh, you know, they have French roots, but then they are uh, popularized uh, by English yeah. <laughs> language. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Okay, but this is uh, how it starts. And uh, if you're following our um, regular uh, episodes on uh, YouTube, uh, we just uh, did 1969, which uh, the title went to a team uh, for the first time, a team from France, uh, Matra, a company which, uh, if I'm not completely wrong, is not existing uh, anymore. It's uh, as many car uh, manufacturers, uh, uh, it also had its uh, roots in uh, aviation. So it had been established in 1945 and uh, immediately began development of an ambitious twin engine aircraft intended to be the fastest propeller driven plane in the world. In 19, later in 1951, the sound barrier was broken in an horizontal flight for the first time in uh, Europe. And this was uh, the Matra built uh, engine. And uh, later in uh, 61, uh, they even uh, went uh, further as Matra became involved in the early European space program, having been appointed as the first prime contractor for um, satellites. So this is the, where they started on. And later uh, they tried to, to diverse a little bit more their uh, portfolio and that's why uh, they included also um, uh, car manufacturing as they acquired uh, the uh, small company uh, automobiles René Bonnet, which became later uh, Matra. And uh, for I think two decades, they produced uh, their cars. As maybe the most well known is the Matra uh, Bajira, a car which has uh, offered uh, space with, uh, for three people all in the same uh, row. So not two in front, two uh, in the back, but three sitting uh, beside each other. Yeah, so so I just looked it up. So the, 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 the company actually um, um, was closed or defunct in, the, in 2003. So it existed for quite a while. And yeah, um, uh, apart from um, um, apart from um, air uh, uh, aircraft, uh, uh, they also were doing quite a few defense projects uh, for mm -hmm. many years, uh, well, for obvious reasons because you know they were producing aircraft. Um, yeah, so and and I think the success um, in, in in Formula One was uh, precisely due to the fact that they were in airspace and uh, um, they understood aerodynamics which became more and more important um, because kind of we yeah. you know when we were talking about late 1960s it was already at the time when um, in terms of engine there was uh, uh, or at, at least in terms of speed, the, the, let's just say, with different means, right? with lightness of engine, uh, it was relative parity between uh, the actors. But what made the difference uh, was the aerodynamics and uh, they kind of leveraged on this need for uh, 
uh, innovation in aerodynamics in Formula One, and this is how they achieved their first success in the sport. Yep. Yeah. And uh, at that time, end of the 1960s, beginning of 1970s, uh, it was not only a time when uh, motorsports was mainly uh, Formula One, but also highly uh, successful was been the series about the sport prototypes, uh, including, of course, uh, Le Mans. Mm -hmm. So Matra, not only they participated first entering in Formula, in Formula 3, and then uh, going uh, to Formula 2 and uh, finally Formula uh, 1, but also in parallel, they had been entering uh, since 1966 the uh, sports car uh, racing series and three times uh, winning uh, Le Mans in 1972, 1973 and 1974. So really Matra became a company very successful in uh, motorsports. Yeah, but um, I mean, uh, it's also very weird that they actually decided to exit the sport at the peak, in a sense. That's yeah. uh, something that normally individuals do, but not what companies do. Do you know why? Uh, because I don't actually... I think it was uh, practically for financial reasons. Sponsorships. As, uh, as, uh, as they, they started... Uh, this uh, as a for marketing reason as they understand that uh, in the beginning of uh, middle and beginning of 1960s 70s motorsports was really uh, the one thing to do for marketing so they understood it as a marketing uh, in the beginning for their conglomerate and uh, practically when they changed their strategies they also stopped uh, racing so it's not uh, they're not Maybe they've been the first uh, team who entered uh, the sports from, from this marketing point of view. Uh, as uh, Besides this, when we see uh, the teams like McLaren, Lotus, Ferrari or Mercedes, they had been uh, primarily uh, uh, car manufacturing companies. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, you know, I, uh, I find it very difficult to believe yeah. that they as champions uh, they wouldn't uh, generate enough sponsorships to be able to race the next season perhaps uh, there were some other reasons like they couldn't actually you know yeah i mean, uh, I mean they're not they're not completely uh, uh stepped out uh, mm -hmm. when they had their most successful years because uh, they had won uh, twice um, uh, the uh, drivers championship both with mm -hmm. Jackie Stewart, Jackie Stewart mm -hmm. in 68 and in 69 they also won in parallel the constructors but they still had been um, inside the formula one until 72 so then they're not uh, directly stepped out uh, when they had their uh, most mm -hmm. success yeah but at the same time you know they also exited Le Mans where they were successful later so so yeah I mean it's a little bit strange but uh, but nice team, and uh, especially if you are uh, following our episodes in, uh, from uh, what we're doing now in 1960s, we're about to start 70s, and uh, yeah, you can see um, Jackie Stewart on your screen, uh, beautiful car. Yeah, um, yeah and uh, as you can see, very uh, aerodynamic compared to the competitors in terms of the wings where we see the, we saw the wings like really high and you know, like they're not really looking like a racing car, but this one was very compact and really 
um, this experience in building aircraft really helped this team to make the car aerodynamic and very competitive in this uh, season. Yeah, but they're, they're not completely uh, left. They stayed still around as an engine uh, manufacturer. Yeah, 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 of course. Um, we're just uh, talking about yeah. uh, the Formula One team. Yeah. And uh, here you can see... Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you know, in in principle, like you would have thought that, uh, you know, up until 1974, they were very successful in various types of motorsport and then they exited everything altogether, just decided. Yeah, so perhaps it's just, uh, you know, there was the, the, also the, in a sense, political will wasn't there for them to continue in, in the sport. Yeah. And uh, as you see, in 1972, they uh, helped Graham Hill to win the triple crown of um, motorsports, winning Le Mans, winning uh, Indianapolis, and uh, winning um, the 24 hours of Le Mans. Yeah, and then we also have Henri Pascarolo there, so yeah. also quite an iconic guy for, for Le Mans. I mean, we're not really talking about Le Mans yeah. much here unless it's related to Formula One events, but yeah, also a very iconic figure in racing and uh, yeah, so that definitely they uh, managed to find and leverage on a lot of talent. Yes, and uh, Gerard Larousse also a name which we will uh, hear again in Formula One. Mm -hmm. uh, as I said, they still stayed uh, around uh, being an engine. Yeah, Manufacturer first for the uh, shadow team and then uh, for the Ligier team, like uh, again, like uh, having an all French uh, team, French engine and uh, well, and a French team. Mm -hmm. And very blue. Uh, if you if yes. you are watching us on on um, on YouTube, then you you definitely see. <laughs> <laughs> only blue colors so far yeah i mean here the things come uh, uh, together not only that uh, french uh, was a traditional uh, color uh, in motorsports it was also the traditional uh, color of uh, one of the main sponsors the uh, gitans uh, cigarettes i mean in general uh, as we know Fre uh, french people are very proud of their history of their revolution so their flag so that's why I think we see blue not only motorsports, but maybe also uh, this is the reason why Gitan cigarettes have been blue. Mm -hmm. This is my personal interpretation, not knowing the history of the Gitan cigarettes. Ligier, yeah, so yeah. that's also the cool team. Exactly, and practically it's the follow-up team of Matra as they acquired uh, the team assets. And, and uh, the first year they, there was no uh, Matra engine, but then uh, Matra entered as an engine uh, uh, manufacturer and uh, then they continued practically the history of uh, being an all-French uh, team. Mm -hmm. So, so is is Renault effectively the only French team that uh, was not in entirely blue? Because like I remember Renault yes. was yellow, right? 
So, exactly. That's uh, today I wanted to come a little bit later. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. We we come and we come into this. Yeah. yeah this was so, a question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're you're spoiling. Uh, sorry. Dish. Spoiler. <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Practically, one of the very few non-blue photos is the <laughs> Renault team. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I mean, as uh, uh, you may remember, Ligier uh, was a quite successful team, even if they never uh, have been competitive enough uh, to uh, to fight about winning the championship. For some reason, they uh, had been stuck a little bit in the upper middle field or lower uh, top teams. Mm. I definitely remember, um, I, I was not around much in 1980s, but I do remember this uh, um, conflict uh, with Alfa Romeo and Ligier because there was uh, serious criticism uh, from Ligier of Alfa Romeo engines. So it didn't actually work out, which um, which kind of was the end of the team in the end, right? So they couldn't really find a good engine collaboration, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, because Matra was was not there, and uh, you know, I think yeah, it just didn't work for them in terms of uh, culturally, they did, didn't match with, with anyone else, which which is a shame because you know I think um, it had a, a uh, great potential, especially considering the the initial sort of collaborative effort, uh, Gia Matra effort. So, yeah, it's just uh, um, I think uh, again uh, an example where the you know the values should coincide, yes. <laughs> not only the willingness to make a good car. Yeah, yeah, that's correct, and. Uh... Also interesting is uh, France uh, traditionally is a country uh, a little bit more uh, social uh, or than, for example, uh, Germany or the UK. Uh, with uh, but with a parallel with a very strong president and uh, Ligier being perceived, let's say, as the French national team, uh, they had good relations to the president at that time, François Mitterrand, which. Uh, helped them getting the Renault turbo engine uh, for free. They also, uh, he also supported the team with getting sponsors as uh, Elf Aquatin and uh, Lotto. So uh, even if Ligier was a private uh, company, a private team, they had uh, they have been perceived like the French national team and they had the good relation to politics, which uh, supported them with getting sponsors and uh, engines. Mm -hmm. But then, uh, nevertheless, uh, in the 1940s, uh, 1990s, I mean, uh, the results uh, not have been that good anymore. And uh, finally, in 1914, uh, the team was uh, sold uh, to uh, two quite uh, known figures, uh, Flavio, Flav, so, Flavio Briatore and uh, Tom Bockenshaw. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, at least the name stayed around since uh, 1906, uh, but then it was, uh, the team was sold to Alan Prost and then uh, also the, yeah. uh, the name disappeared. Yeah, it was for Prost, uh, Prost Racing, right? So. Exactly. I think I think we have it coming up. Oh, yes, we have it coming up. So nevertheless, uh, Lichy had been 
active quite a while. Yeah, for, for many years. Is, so, yeah. yeah, for 20, many years. And, yes? 20 years, right? Uh, overall, according yes. to this table that we've got. Yeah, yeah that's correct. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, they had been quite successful most of the times being, let's say, one of the best uh, midfield uh, teams. Sometimes they had been better, like end of the 17s, beginning of the 80s, where they even uh, uh, reached the second position in the Constructors' Championship. But then they also had very bad years, like uh, 83, uh, and then more and more the 19s, uh, where they had zero points. Uh, and uh, and at the end, they become again uh, uh, more competitive uh, with uh, Renault and especially with the Mugen Honda engines. But let's say it was practically the end of the Ligier uh, period. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a pity. But mm. I think, yeah, it's just a, a, the, the fact that they couldn't. I mean, if you look at it, uh, they were kind of in... Uh, um, every time they were successful, it was uh, in, in, in entirely French collaboration, I think. And every time there was, uh, you know, some, someone not from Italy involved, uh, there were tensions, I think. Yeah, uh, and maybe That's also one, one of the reasons is that uh, at the end of the 19th, uh, uh, the, the French uh, country changed uh, a little bit more, becoming more um, uh, related to uh, capitalist as there have been some uh, reforms and also uh, the big uh, cigarettes firms uh, left uh, Formula One due to the more strict laws. So, and uh, over the time practically uh, Gitans was the main sponsor. So. I guess also it would have been uh, more difficult for them to find uh, different sponsors. Yeah, and if you if we look at uh, the automotive industry in France, it's uh, heavily supported by uh, the public sector. So yes. I think in general, yeah, it's maybe also there are some managerial reasons for, you know, yeah, yeah without large sponsorships, it's hard. That's correct. And uh, then we're going Gardini. a Yeah, I just wanted down, to yeah. say that Gardini often is mistaken for Italian team because of its name. <laughs> yeah, but this is the reason why we have the colors. Right, so, but yeah, in fact, uh, this is, yeah, this is a division of Renault, Renault Sports Technologies. And uh, yeah, absolutely beautiful cars. Uh, yeah. They uh, they have a lot of, I don't know, uh, Patrick, if you've, uh, uh, what how how they are compared to Ferrari? I mean, they they look a little bit like uh, the ones. The, so we currently, if you're watching us on YouTube, we have yeah. 1950 56 uh, uh, Gardini Type 32 car, and that looks um, very much like Maserati Ferrari of the 50s. That's, that's correct. I mean, they, there wasn't any uh, direct uh, connection, but in the beginning of 1950s until. The middle of 1950s, the leading uh, cars uh, came from Italy. First, the Alfa Romeos, then uh, uh, the Ferrari and Maserati. So, practically, these have been the blueprints uh, how to build successful uh, cars. So, of course, uh, they copied a little bit the winning cars. Yeah. So, the, yeah, beautiful shapes uh, here yeah. in, in 1956, uh, and. Um, 
Yeah, so they had um, uh, they had a decent uh, runs uh, in the fifties. Uh, so Gardini, and um, again, I think they just were quite small uh, to to be able to survive, um, and uh, because they didn't have yeah, the performance wasn't fantastic. Yeah, no, I think they, they, just... they had not been uh, highly uh, successful. Unfortunately, but let's say they've been the first step because as mm -hmm. as we all know, uh, Renault became a very uh, successful team over the year. Mm -hmm. With this, we're coming uh, to uh, Bugatti and uh, you will see the photos on, on the later slides. Of course, a very famous uh, name. I mean, they had their best years uh, before the Second World War. They had, so practically they not uh, participated with one exceptions in modern Formula One starting uh, with 1950s. And this was also practically already in a year where the company was, the original company was not uh, existing anymore. So somebody bought uh, the rests and maybe licensed the name but it's not the originally it was not the original uh, bugatti company yeah so it's very important to 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 mention that yeah. you know you have to race uh, with the car produced by the the same brand as the name of the team so if you change the name then you have to pay the license again um, yes, so, uh, so I guess the Bugatti company was uh, already uh, bankrupt uh, or disabled. So maybe uh, I, I don't know completely how they managed uh, it to start as Bugatti, but maybe they bought uh, the license to the name or they bought mm -hmm. the rest of the company. I mean, uh, Bugatti they, they, was... Yeah, they, was, they were supposed to have both uh, the, the car mainly produced by Bugatti and uh, the, the brand name. So they, they should have had both to be able yeah, to race. correct. Mm. Uh, I mean, Bugatti uh, was a company which have been um, uh, revived, um, resurrected, uh, sorry, uh, various times we had in the 1990s, uh, an Italian Bugatti name which produced one of the hypercars and then uh, Volkswagen bought the, the rights so that we today we have the Bugattis as part uh, of the Volkswagen uh, company. Yeah, so I guess this is definitely not Volkswagen, this is uh, Bugatti Type <laughs> 251 if you're watching us on YouTube. Uh, yeah. And yeah, so this is uh, also the comparison with uh, Alfa Romeo. That, that, that. It's a little bit more than a, a, a comparison. We spoke about it mm -hmm. in the episode about uh, in 1955. Mm -hmm. And here we have a direct relation to Italy because uh, this 1955 Bugatti was uh, designed by Giacchino Colombo, uh, the same one uh, who also designed the 1940 Alfa Romeo Tipo 512 a car which uh, due to the uh, Second World War um, never erased. Uh, why I'm uh, showing uh, these two photos because the 1955 Bugatti was the very first uh, car in Formula One with the engine behind the driver. Mm -hmm. Something uh, which Colombo uh, did uh, before, uh, in fact, which he did 15 years earlier already for this Alfa Romeo 
car which also was done uh, designed with the uh, engine behind the driver as you can see here in the uh, Alfa Romeo museum and but this wasn't the first time we had such a construction already back in 1936 we had this auto union uh, type C which uh, rear engine so it wasn't a complete uh, new concept but really this Bugatti was the very first rear engine car in Formula One. In fact, it only uh, participated once uh, in the uh, 55 Grand Prix of uh, France. Uh, the car was already then a little bit aged uh, as it participated uh, in 54 in, the, in uh, several non-official uh, races, but let's say it was the home Grand Prix, so uh, Bugatti wanted uh, to present it and maybe they hoped uh, to get the attention of uh, some investors to continue this project, but unfortunately it didn't happen. So this was the last time we saw Bugatti for a long, long time until it was resurrected uh, by an Italian company. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so it's, um, it's also, uh, 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 it, it is not only a good story of, of engineering, but uh, also a story about, um, uh, well, uh, by that I mean uh, the Giacchino Colombo story, of course, but, but also uh, the story that is, you know, it's not enough. Uh, sometimes even, even winning championships does not yeah. give you enough sponsorship, but here, you know, it's, it was just a show car in a sense and uh, yeah yes. probably served its purpose uh, for just uh, highlighting the French automotive but didn't you know didn't go very far in, in terms yeah. of uh, you know it was just one race correct mm -hmm. and then let me come to the complete opposite uh, to Renault yeah. to be honest uh, we will not speak that much about Renault in this episode for the obvious reason Renault's never had been blue. So today we only speak about uh, blue cars. <laughs> or, or being more serious, uh, uh, when we speak about Renault, this is uh, so much, so this needs really an, uh, an own episode. That's why uh, I want to exclude uh, Renault a little bit, uh, maybe just with one interesting uh, fact uh, which is not directly related uh, to Formula One, uh, we have to be, uh, but, but also you mentioned, we have to uh, uh, be aware that Renault is a public company, uh, it was a governmental company at that time. So it's quite interesting uh, that we have such a, a high competitive uh, uh, organization which is publicly uh, owned by the government as normally. Uh, we mostly say that uh, private companies are more effective, uh, especially when we speak about uh, competition. But at that time, uh, Renault managed to being successful and a governmental company. Yeah, so this is a very interesting phenomenon of uh, French automotive in general, because I think uh, uh, they decided uh, in... Uh, uh, like uh, between 1970s and 1990s to mm. kind of uh, really create a very strong automotive sector. Yep. And this is when a lot of investment went into, into automotive in France. And, and uh, you know, this is why we have Renault, Peugeot, all these guys. 
but but uh, uh, yeah, I just I just um, uh, I'm just going to venture a guess that's part part of the reason is that the resources were I'm not going to say unlimited but quite substantial uh, that you could you could use. That doesn't. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, it does mean automatically uh, unlimited as uh, we had the other example um, with Alfa Romeo as they returned in the 70s, at the end of the 70s as a governmental company, their success have been uh, quite limited. Yeah, but um, I mean, in this case, it was not only the, yeah. you know, the, the political will, but I think also the general expectation and, and uh, the desire to lift uh, the, the French automotive industry in general. So it's, it's kind of uh, also the social pressure, right? Not yeah, only the... yeah. And, uh, and to be fair, um, Alfa Romeo was uh, quite dominating the sports cars uh, series for various years in, in the 1970s before they entered uh, Formula One. So also here we saw that uh, governmental companies can also produce uh, efficient uh, structures if needed. So anyway, uh, I'm sure at some point we will do a special episode about Renault. So let's continue with a name which we already mentioned in the beginning uh, of today, uh, Laos, the team founded by uh, Didier Kamals and the uh, uh, Le Mans uh, uh, winner uh, Gerard Laos, originally with the idea to have it called Laos and uh, Kamals. Uh, but uh, Kamals uh, left uh, uh, the organization um, after he killed his wife. For obvious reason, uh, I mean, for obvious reason, he left the team after these circumstances. Yeah. yeah um, so again, this was a very, uh, very small team, and uh, didn't. Yeah. Uh, didn't last for too long but uh, uh, the cool thing uh, that I can see from the photo I'm not really familiar with with, with, the, with the team that much that you know there is some yellow and even some red <laughs> on this car um, yeah uh, actually Patrick I think I know one more team I don't know I think it's uh, it might be coming up as well and that's Alpine right uh, Alpine uh, yes but, but uh, maybe we have Alpine in uh, yeah, I think I think yeah, I think we might. Uh, so yeah, that's another one that is probably not blue. Um, yes, I'm Alpine is blue. Is is it blue? Yes. Because uh, I think this year's uh, release from what I saw is black. I think it's, well, we will see it, we will see it uh, at the end. It's oh. black and blue. And it, it, honestly, if I'm uh, correct, this is maybe not the final design. It was just for the presentation. Yeah, yeah. So they say that it was, I think it's supposed to be released this month, February. I, I don't know whether yeah, it they, was already. They, they already did a first video and mm -hmm. with a black, blue car. But let's say traditionally, the colors for Alpines is blue. So most of mm -hmm. the street cars, I don't know if they're always blue, but I remember the Alpine cars, they're, uh, they're mostly sold in blue. Yeah, so what I saw anyway, I, 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 I'm, not, uh, I'm not really up to date uh, with that, but uh, yeah, uh, what I saw was black. <laughs> yeah, but and, and no, we will see it at the end. All right. Uh, and you're right, very colorful and uh, I think the colors have been maybe less, less an aesthetic question, but it was a smaller team. 
struggling uh, with uh, with um, uh, money so they put all the sponsors they had uh, on their cars and we have the yellow green from british petroleum we have the dark uh, the darker blue uh, from toshiba and uh, a lot of other sponsors uh, so i think the the, the different colors uh, had been to include all the sponsors. It's not that they really wanted to be that colorful. I really like uh, the logo because it kind of uh, suggests uh, French world domination. Because there is, uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen, uh, if you're not uh, watching us on, on YouTube, yeah. if you're watching us, you, you you see what I mean. But basically, it's the map of the world, and there is a blue circle around the world. I think uh, it uh, it's trying to signify that you know. <laughs> <laughs> French, yes, yes. French dominate the world. And for, what, and for whatever reason, the the Americas are green, and uh, Asia, Africa is yellow, and Australia green again. Uh, and we have red letters all over it, so it's uh, yeah. yeah, definitely the the person who was doing the design was uh, probably. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> had some interesting ideas, let's just say, <laughs> but but uh, but I, I do like the this uh, this idea of having a circle around the world in blue. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's it's meant the blue the blue sea and uh, but right. Yeah, this, uh, this reminds me. This reminds me of uh, this famous uh, joke uh, or famous internet meme that you know uh, uh, were kind of. Uh, uh, it says, well, you will never be a, a designer, and then it says kind of in different fonts and different colors, and dif you know, it's basically completely inconsistent style. We will see about that, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, the, that's what we will see about that in the, in the logo. So, yeah, so uh, sorry if you're just listening to us. Uh, so maybe you, uh, if you're not seeing us on YouTube, maybe uh, Google it. As Gunnar said, the logo looks a little bit uh, self-made. Yes. Yeah. Basic Photoshop. It's uh, LaRousse and uh, it's very, um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Very interesting logo. <laughs> very creative. Yeah, let's say that way. Very uh, creative. Unusual. Uh, let's, just, unusual. let's just put it that way. Uh, and, Peugeot. Uh, with, this, with this we're coming to Peugeot and theoretically you should see here one of the Peugeot, but but not anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's my fault. I think, yeah, it's just, I, for some reason, just copied Matra through. I do apologize to Peugeot fans. Uh, yeah, but, um, you know, Peugeot cars are uh, um, looking quite nice, especially in the 90s. Yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, uh, the, uh, besides Renault, the second big uh, company, uh, car manufacturer in um, in France is uh, the Citroën Peugeot group, which just uh, went together with uh, Fiat. Uh, so, and they've been also, uh, same as Matra, uh, they've been highly um, successful in uh, Le Mans. And after this, uh, as let's say the importance of sports car racing was a little bit uh, declining, they um, uh, decided to enter uh, Formula One. And they did it also quite uh, professionally uh, as they hired uh, John Todd as being the uh, team manager. Um, nevertheless, they never uh, could achieve uh, success similar to uh, Renault. Yeah, I remember Peugeot Tal Talbot team, which was white, I think. It was in, in white and with, with a French flag. 
This is really interesting. Yeah. So I mean, honestly, they not lasted uh, that uh, that long. Mm-hmm. And and Jean Todt's uh, uh, Peugeot is also was also white, I think, white and even yeah, mostly white. Yeah, and uh, but but nevertheless, Jean Todt uh, stayed in uh, Formula One, uh, Peugeot not, mm-hmm. and. With this, we're going uh, to uh, automobiles, conferences, sportifs, or also known as AGS. AGS. Another very, very small team. Another and, creative uh, logo. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. Um, but here, yeah, we do see uh, kind of uh, the colors that you would uh, be, um, you, you would uh, probably imagine to see on Renault in, in the 1990s, like uh, yellow and and blue. Yeah. But um, blue is not, very purplish blue. I'm not it's sure. It's very purplish. It. Uh, this blue. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, this colors looks a little bit more than a Minardi than a French car because of the is the mm-hmm. big, uh, yellow. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, very uh, well. I mean, they are small team, but nevertheless, they stayed active uh, five years from '86 to '91. And uh, even if they're not in uh, Formula One uh, anymore, they have a Formula One driving school in uh, France, so a place where you can uh, learn how to drive a Formula One car. Yeah, I was gonna say so. They, despite the fact that they were, uh, you know, not the most successful car in the sport, they actually. Uh, contributed a lot to the development of new talent in Formula One and uh, yeah, so uh, uh, through the school, so which is uh, not very usual for small teams, I'd say. Yep. And uh, we already mentioned post uh, Grand Prix and here we have again a little bit more typical uh, blue even if it's also I think a little bit purple if I remember it uh, right and uh, this have been the old uh, Ligier uh, team which have been uh, bought by Prost. Uh, Quite an interesting uh, fun story apart Alan Prost wanted uh, to buy uh, Ligier already uh, in 19, uh, sorry, ni- uh, 1992. So he went practically undercover uh, to test the car and uh, uh, to uh, ensure that nobody would find out. He drove the car himself, but with the, uh, with the helmet from the Ligier driver, Eric uh, Comas, so that nobody would see that Alan Prost is testing uh, this uh, car. But nevertheless, uh, this didn't uh, work out and Ligier went uh, first um, uh, uh, to the others. But then uh, back in, uh, when was it? 1993. Yeah, yeah. no, 1903, what? Oh no, sorry, in uh, 1997. 1997, yeah, sorry. So the testing happened in 1992 and... Correct, but it worked out and also uh, Prost continued uh, his active driver's uh, career a little bit more. In 1997, yeah, he bought. Correctly, and finally in 1997, he acquired uh, the team and this was also uh, when they changed uh, the name. 
the idea was to create uh, an all uh, French uh, team. And I think it was also, again, a little bit with the support by the French uh, government. Uh, in the first year, they continued uh, with the Japanese uh, MOOC and Honda because they still had the contract with MOOC and Honda. But after this, uh, they got the free, uh, no, no, sorry, they got the uh, Peugeot uh, engine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They again, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't last for too long. Uh, again, because that was a no, small because team. Uh, small team. Uh, I mean, yeah, a small team, and I mean, then they also struggled a little bit with getting uh, sponsors. Uh, you see on, on this car from 2001, they are sponsors, but that's not that big. So I just put the, uh, the name, but uh, on the biggest parts you see is still the name Prost. So then practically they had a number of sponsors, but no main sponsor. Mm -hmm. As it was becoming difficult at that time for the smaller teams because uh, the cigarette tobacco companies uh, left due to the restrictions that they not put uh, uh, they not could uh, put their names in most of the countries. And is this uh, only uh, five years for the Prost uh, team? Even nevertheless, they had some quite uh, interesting drivers like uh, Jano Tully, Olivier Panis, uh, also uh, Nick Heidfeld, uh, Hans Harald Frenzen, and of course uh, John Alesi, who joined them uh, after um, uh, Benetton. Mm -hmm. So at, the, at that time, they had the complete French uh, uh, team, including uh, the driver. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, the tobacco, the tobacco uh, sponsored Gitan. Exactly. Uh, we want to speak uh, shortly, uh, only this time about, about the uh, sponsors from uh, France. I mean, the most uh, known one is Gitan's, uh, as you had them really for decades on the Ligiers and also uh, even uh, if I saw that uh, the the brand itself, it wasn't uh, that uh, global. We had them in uh, Europe, but for example, they never had been uh, sold uh, to Northern um, America, like US or Mexico. So it was but a little bit a local uh, brand, but nevertheless uh, with some uh, big uh, fans, like for example, Slash from Guns N' Roses, who even uh, should have uh, Gitan's uh, logo uh, as a tattoo. And the yeah. question, of course, is how he got the chance in the U.S. I hope um, uh, I hope this was uh, well paid <laughs> in cigarettes. <laughs> As I understand, uh, he was a, a fan of Chitans and it was not a sponsoring. So yeah, but uh, uh, but uh, Guns N' Roses Guns N' Roses had a lot of ties with uh, with Europe, right? I think uh, yeah. Axel Rose's wife uh, was a, a German model. Um, Schwarzkopf, really? uh, yeah, she was uh, in Schwarzkopf uh, uh, commercials. So, I mean, yeah, so there, I think uh, they spent uh, probably considerable time in Europe. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, uh, due to health issues, uh, Slash stopped smoking, if I'm correct. Yeah, so that it didn't quite work for him in the end. 
So maybe. <laughs> maybe he still liked the design or, or the remembering the times where it was still uh, allowed to smoke. Yeah, we can only speculate. Uh, yeah, yes. we have to invite him to our next episode to find this out. <laughs> Is he no. still around, actually, Slash? Yes, he's around. In fact, uh, oh, okay. was it three or two years ago, uh, I had the pleasure to uh, to see them in concert here in Atlanta. Oh, wow, cool. Yeah, so they had been touring again, unfortunately now stopped uh, by the COVID. Mm -hmm. So he's, and he still looks quite fit. So stopping uh, to smoke was a good decision. Yes. I wonder if he still has a tattoo. <laughs> That's why we have to invite him. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, and uh, oh. I mean, the other, this is the other uh, uh, iconic sponsor in uh, from France in Formula One, uh, Elf Akatin, um, uh, the petroleum uh, company, and they, of course, have been also uh, strongly um, related to uh, Renault. Renault, yeah, that's right. Okay, and that's nearly all and a short view into the future and... Uh, oh yeah, this uh, is the Alpine one. Which is, to be honest, the rebranded uh, Renault team as it's a part of the company. Renault management decided they wanted to have their sports company as a name. Also, I assume with reactivating the brand and maybe soon uh, also sells Alpine sports cars again. Mm -hmm. yeah. And as you see, uh, and you're right, the car is mostly black, but has this uh, French uh, flag mm -hmm. in the back. In the front and in the back, I think in the front there yes, is also. also right, also on the front. Uh, but, uh, but I think this is a, a temporary design. It, it is, does not mean that uh, they will start um, in Formula One this year with exactly these colors. So maybe there will be still some changes. Uh, but also you see Alpine, uh, uh, the uh, car, uh, the logo of the company is also in blue. So mm -hmm. I'm quite sure the car will have some part uh, of blue. How much we will see. Yeah, something, something, uh, something blue. <laughs> something, yes. something borrowed and something blue. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> maybe nothing borrowed. Maybe it will be entirely French. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, there will definitely anyway, be something. Yeah, something. Blue. And uh, well, even if uh, no French driver, but they will have uh, Alonso. Uh, yeah, well, something old, time. something old, something new, something borrowed, and something blue. <laughs> yeah, well, I think they, uh, he had uh, well some experience and uh, his maybe his best years in Formula One uh, with uh, Renault. So we will see how this will work out. Yeah, so yeah, definitely very, very uh, interesting what is going to happen in twenty twenty one. And um, yeah, in, indeed, uh, you know, the French uh, Formula One teams have had contributed a great deal to the sport, and we had some uh, notable champions like Matra and Renault, yes. uh, and uh, very interesting small teams. Uh, and definitely, it would be interesting what what will happen with Alpine uh, as a brand and. Uh, uh, as a concept, uh, so uh, 
and we will see what the final look of the car will be uh, and uh, yeah uh, let's just uh, uh, wait uh, until the end of the season to say what you know how, how good this car actually is yeah and uh, also here a fun fact uh, it, it is the first time Alpine is active in uh, Formula One but they already uh, tried uh, in 68 uh, where they already uh, built uh, a car uh, bow uh, powered by the uh, Renault Gordini uh, V8 engines but uh, uh, after the testing they found out that the gap of the engine uh, like 200 uh, horsepowers uh, in related to the Cosworth V8 uh, didn't support it to start a Formula One project back in '68, so it's now the second uh, attempt to enter the sports for Alpine. All right, so hopefully this time it will be successful. Yep. Um, yeah, we'll see how this car does uh, on the track. Uh, so really, the, the the time will tell. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. At least. Uh, they did uh, something smart to have uh, experience and fast driver, which should uh, normally help to develop the car. Yeah, so, the, so there you have it from uh, the first race ever in the, in the human history car race uh, to, yes. uh, to Alpine team. And we will see how, uh, um, how it develops and uh, what... Uh, 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 what would be the final look and, uh, you know, how it does this season. Yeah, will be interesting. Yeah. With that, uh, we come to an end of, of the overview of French um, French suppliers. I'm sure we missed some, some notable ones. If we did, mm. uh, let us know. Um, uh, we're certainly uh, always uh, eager to hear your opinions. And... Uh, yeah, we will see you next time. Yeah, see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye bye.